Today's readings are taken from Joshua. First one is chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to, to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and careful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The second reading is taken from chapter 3, Joshua 3, verses 5 and 6. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people so that they will take, took it up and went ahead of them. This is the word of the Lord. This passage was chosen before Christmas time, planning the term ahead and looking at different passages. And um, I had no idea, to some extent, what the weekend would bring. But I felt that today was going to be a day where we would be reflecting on what had been happening in the weekend. And I had a sense that, that Joshua might be one that would would take us forward today, not least because of of that final verse that that Darren read, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. I did have a sense that God would speak to us over the the weekend, and so so that that fitted, that verse in particular fitted in. I think what I didn't realise was just how much the rest would fit in. And isn't God incredible and good? That actually even before something happens, he, he knows what will come from it. And so as I've been looking at these passages this week, they seem to resonate so much with what God was saying to us, those of us who were away at the weekend, and some of the themes that were coming out. And it's really good today, back here, back on home ground, to reflect on those themes with a wider sense of thinking about that together. So so those who weren't able to join us, can hear something of what was happening. And those of us who were there can take that on a little bit further. And so it does seem as if God is speaking. We shouldn't be surprised at that, should we? But God does speak. When we ask him to speak, he does. And he leads us on. And to me, there are two main themes coming out of the the passages that we've heard read. And they fitted so well were the themes that that came out over the weekend. And they're the themes of prayer and courage. We had two different speakers and spoke about uh, different things within their talks. But Bishop Michael spoke mainly about prayer. Bishop Andrew spoke about discipleship and he brought that down into compassion and courage. But the, the, the theme that seemed to really hit us was that of courage. And that's the theme that comes out through Joshua. So I want us to to think today about those two main themes, prayer and courage, what God has been saying to us, what he said through Joshua, and why he might be saying it to us now. Why are these themes important for us now? And what do we need to reflect on now? Where do we need to be moving to take these themes further on? So a little bit of of backstory 
to the book of Joshua. I think I referred to Joshua a few weeks ago and said that it's a book that, that has been with me throughout my Christian life. It's one I come back to time and time again. And it's a very strong book. It's a very encouraging book. There's, um, there's some difficult things within it too. But it sits as a bridge. It sits as a bridge in the life of God's people between the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, and the story of Israel developing as a nation in its own right. So it's pivotal for God's people in their history. It's a change from one state of being into another. And you'll remember that God's people started with Abraham's call, led through the um, nomadic life, through Joseph, taken as slaves into Egypt, spent a long time in Egypt, and then were delivered out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. Promise of the promised land, but not immediately. And Moses led God's people through the wilderness for 40 years, where they received the law, where they understood what it meant to be God's distinct people. They would forget it from time to time, but it was a time of God saying, I am your God, and I have a way of living for you, and this is what it looks like. And so they've received all of that teaching and input, and now is the moment where they're going to, do, to, to move into the promised land. And the book of Joshua, as I say, is this pivot between the two stages of the history. It describes the invasion of Canaan, its conquest, the division of the land, and its possession by the Israelites. And this is something that they've been promised all this time. (coughs) Moses doesn't travel with them. He dies before entering into the promised land. And God chooses Joshua as their new leader to take them into the next stage of the journey. There's a lot of challenges still to come. I think we sometimes read the Bible with, with you know, rose-tinted spectacles, thinking it was easy for them. Life was easy. God was with them. They did this, they did that, and so it went on. No, it wasn't. Life was difficult and challenging. And they needed to pull on their reserves of who God was as much as we do now. And that's why it's so important to read a book like this at this time. Because people are people, whatever stage of history that they're at. And God is the same God. But Joshua was going to face many, many challenges. There's going to be some mighty battles as they conquer the land. And there's some of the passages we struggle with. A lot of war and destruction. That's not today's sermon, but maybe another time we need to look at that. Why? Why was there so much war? What was God saying through that? But it's not an easy, you land in the promised land and there you go. There are battles to be fought. There is land to be conquered, possession to be taken. Establishing themselves as a strong, united nation, organized into 12 tribes with strong leadership. It's a mighty task to be done. But why? Why do they need to do this? Why is this part of God's plan? Why are they settling in this land? They are God's people. And the promise that has been given to them right back to Abraham was that they would be a blessing to all nations. And this is how they're going to do it. They've had a wandering time where God has been revealing himself to them. Revealing himself in in speaking to them, in raising leaders, in giving them the law. 
And he continues to reveal himself in a different way. And they are going to become the means of revealing God to other nations. So they need to be ready for that. They need to be a nation and not a nomadic group of people wandering through the wilderness. God is going to use them to bless all nations. And so they need to be organized. They need to be unified. They need to be in a land, a nation of their own, where God will continue to reveal himself, but will begin to do that in different ways. The whole of God's story is about how God reveals himself to us, and he hasn't finished yet. He continues to reveal himself in different ways. And so this is the next stage of his revelation to his people and the plans he has for them that they will be the tools by which others will come to know who God truly is. But it's not going to be easy. Joshua is one of the ones who knows what lies ahead. He knows what is waiting for them in Canaan. If we go back to the book of Numbers, if you want to look this up, it's on page 150 in the Pew Bibles. Moses knows that this is the plan. And he decides to send 12 spies into the promised land to suss it out, to have a look at what is going on. One member of each of the 12 tribes of Israel are chosen, and they go on ahead into Canaan. And if we read... um, Chapter 13, beginning at verse 26, they come back, the 12 of them come back to Moses and Aaron and to the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Don't go. They've got mighty armies. They've got fortified cities. Their men are huge. They're descended from giants. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. And when they saw us, they thought of us as grasshoppers. This is terrifying. This isn't a gentle cross over the river and off we go to the milk and honey. This is the reality of where they are going. And ten of the spies come back and say, don't do it. We cannot do it. But Caleb already here has spoken out. And Joshua speaks out on page 151. No, it's still on page 150. So chapter 14, verses 6 to 9. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So that's the background to where we are in Joshua. And if you want to have Joshua opened on page 216, you'll see what God is doing as he is preparing Joshua to go into this land. And in the verses that we read in chapter 1, God says three times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua must have been terrified He's come back saying we've got to do it. But knowing you have to do something and knowing that God is going to be with you in it doesn't mean that you're not scared. And God is preparing Joshua, saying, I know what this is like. I know it feels as if you're on the edge of the precipice. You're going to tip over and you don't quite know whether you're going to land safely. Be strong and be courageous. Move ahead despite your reservations, despite your nerves. Joshua would have felt weak and God says, I will be with you. In verse verse 9, I will be with you wherever you go. He's promising his presence with him. This is going to be difficult, Joshua. We're not going to beat around the bush. You are going to need to be strong. With good reason. The task ahead is terrifying. But don't fear. I know you're nervous. But take strength. Be courageous and I will be with you always. Do not be terrified. God isn't saying this because Joshua is sitting there with great confidence. He's saying it because Joshua is terrified. Do not be terrified, Joshua. Do not be discouraged. Don't give up, God says. How often our reaction is to say, I can't do it. I'm going to give up. Joshua knows what that is like. And God says to him, be strong. Be courageous. Don't quit. And I am going to be with you. And you will do it with me. God has given Joshua a mighty task. A terrifying and a daunting task. He knows what it's like for Joshua. He's empathising with him here. But he's saying, you can do it. You can do it despite your fear. Because I am with you. I think this is really reassuring. Because often again we think that Bible characters have no fear. That somehow God zaps them and they just do it, yeah. Fine, God's with me, I can do this. Joshua's not saying that. He is saying, I am terrified and yet I will still do it. And that is much more realistic because when God is calling us to a task, we need courage. We need courage for whatever it might be. And that was the question that Bishop Andrew seemed to be asking us last weekend. On Friday evening when we arrived... One of the the tasks we did, it's quite a fun task, was to describe our church in five words. And we had different groups of people, and they didn't all stick to five words. So we had a lot of words. We had a lot of words up on a sheet of paper, really positive, encouraging words to say who we are as a church. And it was brilliant. It was really encouraging. 
Someone said to me afterwards, so that was a really good exercise, but another good exercise would be to have another sheet of paper and to say what words are not there. Not the negative ones, like, you know, we don't like this church, but actually, what positive attributes are we missing? Where might we be weak, where God might want us to be strong? I thought, that's a really good idea. So we put up a second sheet of paper, and not long after it was put up, there's a few things put on, and there was one word, courage. Before Bishop Andrew had opened his mouth, before he'd even come, it was a Saturday, we had that word courage. So when Bishop Andrew arrived and told me that he was going to speak on courage, I said, hmm, funny that. (laughs) Might be something going on here. And so many of the testimonies last Sunday were about courage and about how important that is in our personal lives and in our life as a church to take courage. So it seems as if God is saying something. We're not going to do as Bishop Michael says, and God is definitely saying this, but we're testing it. And it seems from different sources and how it's resonating in our hearts that many of us are thinking this is a word for now. As a church, this is a word for now. Courage. Why? I can't say at the moment. And it might mean many different things to many of us. And we we touched on that last week. In our individual lives, we may need courage in our workplace, in our relationships, in the struggles that we're facing day by day. It might be in those places where we need to take courage, knowing that God is with us, trusting in that promise that he is with us and that we can face them. They won't go away. But we can face our difficulties knowing that God is with us. And that's huge. Because that's a testimony to the world. That we face our challenges, our struggles, our difficulties in a different way to those who don't know God. The situation is the same. But it's how we face them. And people see that. And it may be that you're feeling that it's a struggle just to get through each day. But what you don't realise is that your neighbour is looking on thinking, goodness me, I couldn't cope with what they're coping with. And yet there's something about them. Can't put my finger on it. But they seem to have an extra strength. That is witnessing to God even the depths of difficulties and struggles and despair. But it takes courage every morning to get out of bed and to stand in the promise that God is with me. And that might be where many of us are. But it might be as a church, God is saying, have courage. And there's a strength in taking courage together, isn't there? We have experienced so much of his blessings over the last few years. We've seen him at work mightily amongst us. And maybe he's saying, there's more to come. But it's going to seem a little bit more risky. And I'm not standing here saying, here's a five-year plan of where God is taking us. But what I think he might be saying is, there's more to come if you'd like to come with me. But it might begin to feel a little less safe and comfortable. It might take us out of our comfort zones. And I know that for many, that's already happened. 
that the growth in itself, although we love growth, can be challenging because the church doesn't stay the same when we come in and we might not know many people and we're used to knowing everybody and that already has taken courage and thank you. Thank you for being courageous and recognising what God is doing but also acknowledging that sometimes that's quite hard. Thank you. But maybe we need to take another step of boldness. Maybe we need to think about doing things in different ways. I don't know. Maybe we need to think about who are we not reaching that we could be reaching. Maybe God is saying to us, there's a church along the road that is struggling. It hasn't got a leader at the moment. It's got very few members. We're beginning to work more closely with them. It's the URC. And maybe God is saying, I've got something in store. If you'll take a few risks. I don't know. But I think he's saying we're not going to stand still. We can if we choose to, but we're going to miss out on so much more. I think what he's saying is, you've seen an awful lot, but my goodness, there's a whole lot more to come. And that's an exciting journey. But like Joshua, it has moments of being terrified. And he's saying, if you want to see what more is to come, you're going to have to be courageous in whatever way that means for you. And I think it is a word for us that over the coming months we need to remember. We need courage for wherever God is taking us. But knowing that he comes with us and knowing that what he has in store is good because we're his people and he wants to use us to build his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Wanish as in heaven. Wow. Do we really want that? Because it might be a bit scary. It might take us out of where we're used to. I don't know. But it could be amazingly exciting, couldn't it? It feels as if we're on the edge of that cliff. God is saying, you've climbed a big, big mountain. Look at what's happened so far. But there's more to come. I find a little... um, you know, Facebook often sends little pictures. Most of them I just ignore. But one really hit me one day, and it was a picture of a girl with angel wings. And she was standing, you could see her back. It was, you know, dressing up angel wings. And the quote was on it, but what if I fall? And the answer was, but oh my darling, what if you fly? That's our choice. Yes, we might fall. But by not taking the risk, we don't experience the flying. I think we're a church that wants to fly. But we might need some courage. But God knows about that. And he will be with us. And he is saying, be strong, be courageous, and I will be with you wherever you go. In Joshua 3, we move on to how we might do that. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua 3, chapter 5. Is that a verse for us? If we truly believe that God is saying there's more in store, yes, we need to be strong and courageous, but we also need to consecrate ourselves. This is about getting our prayer life right. And that was what Bishop Michael was speaking about. It's just so incredible, isn't it? 
that the passage for today reflects so much on what we heard last weekend. Getting ourselves right with God in prayer, in worship, in, in daily coming in before him, reading his word. All of the things we were talking about last week. Getting ourselves in a better place with God. Again, not accepting the status quo. But saying my journey is one that continues and grows. And I long to know God better in my life. And as I've said before, the more we know him, the more we realise we don't know him. And that's the amazing journey. That there's always more to learn about God. And we long to know him better and better. I think the challenge I want to put to us today is the challenge that Bishop Michael raised. It is important in our individual lives. And we have lots of tools to help us at home. And that's a discipline and a challenge. I'm, I'm not doubting that. But there's a challenge for us as a corporate body. About our prayer life as a corporate body. One thing Bishop Michael did say, no successful church, no church that is moving where God wants to go does it without prayer. How are we praying corporately? And it's a challenge. My early days as a Christian, well, I'd been a Christian a long time, but, you know, as a young adult, the normal expectation in the church I went to in Edinburgh was that you went to the central prayer meeting once a month. And the whole church was there. And it was the most exciting place to be. And you would not have missed it because, well, God was working. And that idea of coming together for a central prayer meeting was something that was just bread and butter. And I know, because I've spoken to colleagues around the country, that that's more difficult now. For some reason, that model that I thought was, you put that model wherever you go, that's what you do, doesn't seem to be working. Maybe people's lives are busier. Maybe there's a sense in which that was, I don't know, for a time and for a season. But when we try and run central prayer meetings, there isn't that sense of excitement and everybody wanting to be there. And that, I struggle with that. And maybe I just give in and say, okay, nobody wants to come, let's not do it. But I do believe that we need to pray corporately. And there are some opportunities already in our calendars for that. Now, what I'm wondering is that over the coming weeks and months, we might explore what God might be saying to us about corporate prayer. So I'm not saying that, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer for that, but I think as a church we need to be praying about that and seeking God. What are you saying, God? But we do have opportunities where people come together to pray. Every Saturday morning there's a faithful small group who pray. On a Monday morning, there's a group of ostensibly staff plus others that, you know, come and join us to pray for the life of our church. We've introduced Encounter, which does seem to work. People come to Encounter. It's not once a month, but it might be once a half term. And we've got one this Tuesday evening. And I see that as a space for us individually, but also us corporately, where we can come together with a bit more time and space where we can worship God and praise him, where we can think about our own lives before him, but where we can pray corporately and listen to God. We've had times of, of testimony and, and trying to hear what God might be saying. Now, it's not going to suit everybody. And Tuesday evenings aren't going to work for everybody. I know that. But can I say, this Tuesday, 
Wednesday's the beginning of Lent. I don't think God minds that we're starting it a little bit early. But as a Lenten discipline on Tuesday evening, saying I'm going to commit something over Lent, a time when often we try to be more disciplined, and come on Tuesday evening and pray into some of these things. What we mustn't do is to come back and say, well, we know now what God wants us to do. God has been speaking mightily and powerfully, but not sewn up and tidy. The journey now is to continue to hear from him. It is something about the next stage. It is something about being brave and courageous. But we need to be praying. We need to be praying on our hands and knees because if he's got a mighty task for us, we need to be equipped for that task. And we can only do that in prayer. So this Tuesday evening, 8 o'clock, might you come and be part of that journey of seeking God and coming before him so that we can hear his voice saying to us, I am with you and I will lead you to the place that I have in store for you. Courage and prayer. Two words that I've come away with. Two words that I think God is saying to our church. These are important words. We need to continue to follow them up. And as we look ahead, we may not know exactly what the picture looks like, but I think we can begin to dream dreams. What might our church look like in five years' time? Let's ask God that. Let's see what insights he gives us. But then as we travel with him, he will colour that picture in. He'll show us where the dark colours are, the pale colours. But we need to know that we are going somewhere really exciting to be able to enter in. Joshua knew there was milk and honey. He knew there was an awful lot of battles to fight, but he knew there was milk and honey. What is God saying to us? What is the the dream that we have for our church? It's probably quite simple, that more in our village will come to know him. That's a great aim, isn't it? That more in our village will come to know Jesus. What will that actually look like? I don't know. The image is there. The detail and the colour God will provide as we come before him, willing to walk with him, whatever it takes, but in the knowledge that he is with us. Amen.